to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaverdam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. And we realize that whenever Reformation happens in the history of the church, things get messy. And after this past synod, man, things are really starting to get messy in the Christian Reformed Church. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. And for the next few months, we're going to focus particularly on delegates from this past synod to talk about what just happened and where we might be going in the future. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're dropping episodes every single Monday. We also want to say thank you and let you know how blessed we are by the generous sponsors we have over on Patreon. We are so close to our goal of 20 sponsors at $5 a month. So if you appreciate what we're doing, want to help us continue to put out content, head on over to patreon.com backslash the messy reformation. We've also created a Facebook page where we're putting out additional content. We'd love for you to head on over and find us at facebook.com backslash the messy reformation. Like our page for more updates. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part two of Synod Reflections by Corey Naderveld. You know, I, I could see people squirming near me and even or sighing and sighing and audible. I audibly somebody said, you know, you, why are we asking that? You can't ask that. My thought was if Synod can't ask it, who's going to ask it, yeah. right? This is, right. you know, it's kind of like ordination. We always assume it's somebody else's job to safeguard the pulpit. You know, well, seminary should take care of it. Well, candidacy committee should take care of it. Well, the local classes in their interview should take care of it. And we always assume somebody else is doing it. So for me, that was Synod's job. And, and I wanted clear answers. Yeah. And I was thankful uh, for mostly clear answers uh, when we when we posed those questions to those candidates and for the the general secretary. So I loved the directness. I think the time in the CRC for you know just kind of keeping all this stuff under the surface and playing nice um, is over. And not that we have to not play nice, but but we can be direct even if it makes some people squirm and yeah. makes some people uncomfortable. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're at a time where we're speaking the truth in love yeah. rather than uh, speaking vaguely, uh, supposedly loving. Right. I think, I think the two, you know, as I was saying that, I think the two go hand in hand, right. The, the more vaguely we speak, I think the less loving we are as yeah. well. And so there's something to, we have to speak truth and we have to speak it in love. And, and we have this, uh, so I'm, I'm leading a, a young men's Bible study right now. And uh, we're going through, um, actually, we're going through Burkhoff's systematic theology. And so we're talking, talking about the attributes of God. And this last week, we talked about the truthfulness and the faithfulness of God. And, uh, and so we spent some time talking about, you know, God's truthfulness. And then, you know, that's a communicable attribute. So we are expected to be truthful as God is truthful, right? And the commandment, you know, thou shalt not lie. Um, and then I kind of pushed them on that and said, but isn't it interesting? Most people in the church think it's okay to lie if that, if you're going to be nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the 11th commandment, you know, be nice, right? I mean, that is, and that's the greatest commandment to some. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think Jesus, I just read that in my devotions where Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees and saying, oh, you think you hold God's law so high? You reject God's law for your own laws all the time. And I think we have taken that 11th commandment of be nice and had that, that kind of overrides every other commandment. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I'm not going to say, I'm going to give you the answer on this one, but here's the question I posed to the young men. What do you do when you're married and your wife says, do I look fat in these jeans? And she does. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to tell you what you should do because I think, but anyways, but a lot of people, their instant reaction is you just lie. You tell her she looks amazing. And I'm like, but you're lying. That's not being truthful. So what do you do in that moment? And uh, I made them squirm for a little bit, but um, maybe podcast listeners can tell me what the, what the proper response is in that, uh, in that situation, but just going more broadly, we, we act that way in the church. We act that way at synod sometimes yeah. where we, we lie by talking around the truth and not being direct. And I think just being direct is really not being a jerk, but being direct, um, is, is really one of the loving things we can do. And so I agree. I saw that at synod as well. And, uh, I was, I was really encouraged by that. Absolutely. Yeah. So what, uh, what were some of the things uh, that were discouraging um, at Synod or even just coming out of Synod too? Yeah. So there was a few things at Synod, more of it was after the fact for me, but you know, at Synod, the, the changes in the seminary requirements, um, you know, that those came with the claim that allows them to, to customize education and, and supplement where seminarians might be weaker. You know, I, I hope that's true to me, just on paper, it looked like you're just lowering the bar uh, quite a bit. And I, we came in right after they had already lowered the bar significantly. And I'd heard some laments of some professors that I really respect that, you know, and so they still tried to get the language, the full language requirements. They tried to cram it into less time when we came in. That's part of why languages were like, taking a drink out of a, a fire hose yeah. for us is because they still wanted to do the old thing, but they had less time to do it. So I, I wish we would have had more, more of time to do that and really, you know, marinate in the languages and, and to understand them better, you know? So I, I hope it's true that the customization will benefit. Um, but part of it is, is you're coming into seminary, you just don't know, right? I mean, you, you don't know what you don't know. And so why not get all of it? And, and some of it you might be stronger in, some of it you might be weaker in, but I would say, you know, go for all of it. And, and part of the rationale too, is they said, you know, we're, you know, this is where higher education is going and we're competing with other seminaries. But I think you got to start with the question, what best serves the church and what best serves the Christian reformed church. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, why am I seeing some of our best pastoral candidates coming from other seminaries like Westminster West and and RTS, Mid-America Puritan, some of these other ones, right? So what seminaries are you competing with, right? People who don't want to go into parish and pulpit ministry anyways, but they want higher theological education for other vocations, right? Or are you you going after the people that want to be in the pulpit and and be pastors on the ground? So um, that was a little bit discouraging. And you know, as encouraging as the vote totals were for some of those big issues, human sexuality report, um, and the confessional status that went with it, as encouraging as that 70 to 75% was, I, 
I don't know what this says about me, but I was still discouraged that there was 30% yeah. of delegates of ordained pastors in the CRC who couldn't, who couldn't vote with that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what that was for me, but I just, you know, I probably should have just been happy that we had the super majority, but, but that weighed heavier on me than I expected. Um, you know, and again, I'm super happy that there was a strong majority and happy to realize that the vo- vocal minority was not as big as it is loud, mm-hmm. but I was still struck by it. Um, but like I said, the, the, for me, the biggest discouragements, um, and they weren't major, but have been more lately, right. In the weeks mm-hmm. since, and again, not that I'm overwhelmingly discouraged by any means, but, but as I've seen things play out and seen how things have been reported and banner articles and, it, you know, I kind of feel like I'm just bracing myself from the same old, same old in the CRC. And, you know, I, I didn't come out overly hyped from Synod. I didn't come out, you know, feeling like we could had accomplished everything. And I certainly didn't feel disappointed or felt like I needed to leave the CRC or that it wasn't a, a really good home for me anymore. I felt pretty tempered, but as I've seen, I'll give an example. Um, you know, the general secretary just released some frequently asked questions because obviously their offices have just been inundated with what does this mean? What do we do now? Um, and one of them reported that, you know, that this view of human sexuality has been raised to confessional status, that it previously was only pastoral advice, and now we have raised it. So now we got to figure out the implications. And that is not what Synod said. That was the parliamentarian's opinion and why she said that it was going to take another year to ratify. And I think I kind of asked for some clarification from the floor because Mm -hmm. I said, well, if it goes with recommendation D and that was one of the grounds that this was in accordance with recommendation D that it already has confessional status. This is not a change. This is a clarification. Yeah. Right. It is. And yes, they didn't just say we accept recommendation D they got specific about question answer one Oh eight. Um, in as a way to say that it's consistent with recommendation D and I thought in an even more clear and even more explicit way of saying that this is confessional and it's not a change. Um, So that was just disappointing to read that on our denominational website. That is, and even I had asked the, the, the reporter and he said it has confessional status. And so he didn't say it now has, it has confessional status, mm-hmm. implying that it did have confessional status and in an ongoing present reality yeah. still has confessional status. So I thought that was abundantly clear. And so now, so my discouragement is that I feel like they're adding some fog where I thought we had provided clarity yep. at Synod. And, you know, and using the gravamen as a mechanism to be able to put an asterisk by your signature on the covenant of office bearers for the next year, at least uh, that is using something in church order in a way that it was not intended to be used. Um, And so uh, there's some tactics being used right now. And I I ultimately, I, I think they're, they're coming from a place of uncertainty and, and maybe their discouragement. And I don't think this is like, uh, you know, that the sky is falling by any means like that. I'm very thankful for Synod. And I think 2023 by, by God's grace um, could continue in this direction, but 
I, the response is, I don't know if it's discouraging or just disappointing for me. Yeah. Hmm. That's fair. Corey, you'd mentioned the Gravamans. And do you think that, uh, I want to put this candidly, but uh, do, do you think that the Gravamans are supposed to be used in the way that they are currently being used right now? See, I'm not an expert on this area, and there's we got some other brothers in the denomination, sisters who who understand the stuff better than I do. But what I understand from them is there's two different kinds, right? There's there's a difficulty where you have a difficulty with it, and maybe you need some more understanding. You need more clarity. Well, you could, I guess you could do that on this issue, but didn't we just provide clarity at this synod? Possibly could, as right? Just we yeah. could. Maybe they need a little bit more. Okay, let's. Well, I guess we got to take it up a little bit more next synod and the other ones to ask for a revision. And that also seems clear that that, that is not what we're doing. We've spent years working on this, right. At leading into 2016 and then the reappointment of the committee, this has been a long process, not even just since 2016, but going back to the 1970s. Um, so it's been a long journey to get to this point of clarity. So yeah. now I just feel like it's uh, being used as a mechanism to, to kind of punt and say, we need more time, more conversation. Um, you know, some, some aren't even doing that. There's already churches who are installing elders and deacons and not asking them to sign the covenant of office bearers until they have more clarity on, on what it means. So, so I just hearing that stuff and, and these aren't theoretical, these are things that are happening um, is, you know, I, I think if things had gone the other way and the human sexuality report was rejected. There was no confessional status. I, I can't imagine the same response, no. um, the other direction. So that's. Yeah. It, and, and, and there hasn't been, and that has been one of the massive frustrations. And I think a lot of it just comes from, and uh, we've talked about this multiple times on the podcast was the, the echo chamber of like inner grand rapids yeah. that they just, they're so in their own world that they don't actually that even like Zach King. And I think a lot of us are actually pretty hopeful that he's going to do a good job, but then all of a sudden he comes out with some of this frequent last questions and we're like, Oh man, what are you doing? And I think, Oh, he's in that echo chamber and he doesn't probably even realize how some of the things that he's saying is coming across yeah. to conservatives in the denomination. And that doesn't give him a pass, but that just, again, reinforces that our, our denomination, like the, the, just the headquarters and all of the voices there, right? You re, if you were to read the banner and only get your information about what happened at Synod in, from the banner, um, all you would hear, like, all you hear is how bad it was yeah. and how difficult it was. And uh, I've got some friends who are delegates at Synod and the banner asked them to write reflections on Synod. And so they wrote one from a conservative point of view and the banner didn't post it. Yeah. Yeah. That voice, the voice is not being heard through the official channels yeah. of the CRC. And, you know, so the, it wasn't the frequently asked questions thing, right? Actually some more progressive people actually were, were discouraged by, yeah. by the responses too, which I found interesting. Uh, and cause I thought it was more sympathetic than, and gave them more mechanisms to, to fight than I, than I think yeah. are, are, are good, right? Or, or even appropriate. Um, but yeah, I, the, the voices are not being heard in that echo chamber 
just keeps reverberating. And I, I thought that could shift, uh, you know, maybe that was a little naive that that would shift, but, but change is slow. Yep. And this is a long journey. And I think it, it, it shouldn't have been a surprise to me. Uh, and it wasn't a surprise. It was just, I was just, re- I think I'm just ready to yeah. see the pivot come to fruition a little bit quicker. Um, but, but the Lord, that's one of the things I know the Lord is working on in me is patience, right? That's one yeah. of the fruit of the spirit that, that I struggle with the most. And he's continuing to work on that, uh, in, in my own life too. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm hopeful that eventually yeah. it'll change, but I think we're all, we're tired, right? I think we're just exhausted. We're sick and tired of like, Oh, here we go again. Here's this spin on this. And here's this spin on that. And we're tired of some of the writers from the banner writing in their own blogs and doing just completely heretical things. Yeah. And we're like, why are they there? Right. And so um, as I keep reminding everybody um, I'm not always known for being patient. Um, I, I have to remind myself as much that this is a messy reformation mm-hmm. and that things take a long time. That's part of why we named it. That is just this reminder that this is such a mess. It takes such a long time to see it happen. And uh, we just have to keep, stick into it. But I think, I think the decisions we made, right. And that's where we find this encouragement with all of the frustration, the encouragement is, okay, we made some solid decisions that are going to, that should set the tone. We just have to, we have to wait through, wade through some of this junk for a while, but I think eventually we can um, start maybe retake the banner. And uh, I mean, somebody, I heard somebody who I don't even fully agree. I would say they're more of a moderate. They were saying like, oh, Calvin University is going to be conservative from now on. And I'm like, the conservatives don't even feel like that's yeah. a possibility. But um, but maybe, right? Who knows? Uh, we'll see what ends up happening moving forward. But um, but yeah, so. But- and we're not responsible for all those results, right? We can work towards them, but by God's grace and his timing and in his will, um, his will will be done, you know? Yeah. And so it's a good word to, to remind people like me that it's a messy Reformation, you know, I I know that, but in my heart, I was hoping for a a quick, clean and neat Reformation. (laughs) Uh, um, But that's, that's rarely, uh, maybe never how, how that works and how that takes place. So, you know, we, we keep being patient and we, uh, and we just have to be faithful, right? That's, that's the ultimate call is to be faithful um, and not be overly consumed with these issues either, right? We have local gospel ministry to do. We have people to disciple. We have youth to catechize. We need to, to keep our eyes on the prize, the, the work that God's called us to. And, mm-hmm. and, and maybe we've, we've needed to raise our denominational consciousness because it's been almost absent for several years, right? Well, we've kind of bracketed that and just left it to the side. Uh, so God is calling us to engage in it, uh, I think, in ways that we haven't before. Yeah. Amen. How, uh, how has your church responded to the decisions made at Synod? Yeah. So, well, first of all, all four delegates from our classes were from Hillcrest were from my oh, church. Wow. So me and my co-pastor were the two, the, the, we, we send two ministers, no matter what in mm-hmm. our classes, the other is always a minister uh, and our elder went and our deacon went, our elder actually had to leave halfway through, uh, he got COVID. And so then oh, somebody else right. had to, that was, so he was the guy, um, but, uh, he, he, he got to do all the committee work and all that stuff and he missed the plenary, but really a solid delegation. So we, our church, I think the, I I'm speculating, but I think part of the reason was we were more vocal 
in our classes, our, our classes is usually kind of quiet on these issues and doesn't really bring them to the forefront and Hillcrest did. Um, and partially I'm going to blame you guys because I, I felt sparked by, <laughs> by the messy reformation and the work of the abide project. And I felt compelled to, to get our church up to speed on what was happening in our denomination. And, and uh, it was actually kind of a surprise to, to our council, mm. um, the state of the CRC. It's a very, loyal church it's very loyal to the denomination but i i believe it's loyal at that point it was loyal to a denomination that no longer existed yeah uh, it was more their mind's eye view of what the crc was they had a uh howie vanderwell was the pastor here for 24 years from 1978 oh, wow. to 2002 and literally wrote the the book for calvin institute of worship yeah. on on planning worship with your worship director and it was so very denominationally connected church. Um, so they were a little bit in shock to hear what was happening in the CRC, but they responded really well to it. Um, yeah. once we talked about it, so uh, our chair of council said, can we get Dr. Wyma in here to walk us through the human sexuality report, uh, report? And we had over 500 people watching, um, in the sanctuary. And then we also had, uh, that's had thousands of views online. So, uh, they, Hillcrest was had no problem saying we care about this and we want to respond to it. Um, so when we did return back to church that Sunday after synod, there was just a tremendous outpouring of, of gratitude. I got a lot of thanks, uh, handshakes, a couple of hugs, right? One older guy brought me in for a bear hug. Um, you know, they, they really wanted the CRC to remain their home. Yeah. And uh, they felt like that. And of course, you know, some sort of artificial organizational unity would not have trumped biblical fidelity for them, but they were really thankful uh, that we were clear and decisive uh, and that we as delegates fought the good fight. So uh, it was a, it was a great return to church that following Sunday. Amen. Well, and I think it's just so good. And that's one of the reasons why I want to keep asking is because again, when you read from the banner and, all of the communications coming out, you would think that every church is like either mourning it or struggling how to figure out how to handle this. And the reality is, I would say 70 to 75% of the churches uh, went home from synod and went, praise God, yep. we, we stood firm, we, we stood where we needed to be, we didn't waver on this issue. And I think most churches are actually rejoicing in the decisions. And yeah, there are some that are like, we don't know how to handle this. But I think the vast majority of the churches are praising God yeah. and rejoicing with what, what just happened. My, my former congregation, I had heard from some friends that when they gave an update the following Sunday, there was literal shouts of amen and clapping um, for a CRC yeah. church to do that says something. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you get Dutch people to shout amen and clap in church, I mean, boy, the, that's a movement of it, the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh one of the questions i found really interesting in asking people coming out of synod is uh, what did you learn about yourself and the crc um by going mm -hmm. through this uh gathering of synod that's a good question yeah i i think what i learned uh about myself was that i i actually did have a greater concern for the crc than i thought not that i didn't care what happened but 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 an increased uh, willingness to work towards reformation within the CRC and, 
and so when I say concern for the CRC, it's not just to keep the organization together, no matter the doctrinal cost. That, that's definitely, if you've heard by now, that's not my posture, but, but just an increased love for the congregations, for, the, uh, for other pastors, and uh, for the people of the CRC. Um, so that, I don't know, that kind of surprised me. Um, you know, I've been ordained in the CRC for a while, and I was made a commission pastor in the CRC a decade ago. Um, but it's only within this last year that that I I learned that right that I that mm-hmm. I kind of explored a greater love for uh, the CRC. I think I also learned, you know, being a youth guy uh, that I'm not just a youth guy that I I have a greater capacity for governance type work and organizational administrative work than than I had thought. Um, you know, in the past I, I had limited interest and limited attention on these sorts of things. Um, I was very on the ground and discipling people and focusing on gospel ministry, but understanding that that can be part of gospel ministry is doing that governance work and, and, and caring about the organization as well, because there's people within that organization and our theology matters, how, how we do things matters. Um, because before I was, I was willing to just leave that bracketed, but now I can see how that actually does affect churches yeah. and local ministry. Uh, we are better if we're together, but we're also better if we're together on the gospel. Amen. Um, so I was, I was thankful to kind of learn that about myself, that I had the ability to, to pour over massive reports. And I didn't feel like, Jason, I think you said this too, that you didn't feel so like depleted, right? It was a depleting experience, but it wasn't a so draining that you, you couldn't go back to work um, the next, the next week. I was thankful to, to, to kind of know that I could go through these long, hard days and still have focus throughout them and still have energy um, to go back to work the next week. Uh, You know, I did sleep well for a few nights there where I just needed to crash. Um, But, but I think I learned that, that I, I had a higher capacity, um, than, than what I realized. As far as uh, the CRC, I don't know if I had any major surprises other than maybe that's part of why my love grew was just to see how God's working in other parts of Canada and the U.S. And and just, and yeah, the reports we heard uh, on the floor of Synod as different agencies reported and stuff like that, but it was more the meals for me yeah. um, and just picking other brothers and sisters my brains about how how their ministry looks and how God is moving, that that to me was um, the the most expanding experience. Um, yeah, it's I think it's putting faces to the denomination, yeah. right? Like when you say the denomination, it seems like this kind of amorphous thing out there, and then you come and you sit together and you eat with people, and you can see their yeah. faces, and that's how you grow in love for them, but also this organization that kind of brings us all all yeah, together. That's right. Yeah, that so that was a, just a huge thing uh, for me. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's always a helpful reminder, right? Because I think, like, I've been in various difficult church situations over the years, or just difficult situations in general. Do this, you can just kind of get stuck in the negative, and you just see all of the bad things and all of the things that are going wrong, and all you know everything that's frustrating, yeah. and you just kind of spiral in that. And then it's helpful to get into a situation. And it's funny that it was at Synod, right? You get into the situation where you're reminded like, oh my goodness, 
there are other good, solid, like-minded brothers and sisters out there. There are, there are other places where God is doing faithful ministry here. And God is really doing a powerful work in the CRC right now. And yes, there's this mess over here that we need to take care of. But, but again, there's, there's this real solid faithful work that's happening. Yeah. And kind of just to piggyback on that, uh, Corey, going forward, now that Synod has spoken about how God has spoken, uh, what do you think steps are going to be, not even just in preparation for Synod 2023, but for faithful pastors and church leaders going forward um, who still want to work towards reformation? What are some things that you kind of think need to be done? Yeah, I, I think the first thing that just needs to happen in order to give people who have that desire some confidence is to see things go well with that in loco com, uh, committee, right? Uh, we People want to see that that is going to have some compliance and uh, Lord willing, actual repentance for classes Grand Rapids East and, and Neeland Avenue, like that, that all needs to go well, right? Um, and, and by God's grace, if there are some churches and leaders um, that can heed that call and come back into the fold, like that would just be a beautiful thing. And that would be just a beautiful picture of the gospel. We saw it in little ways, um, you know, at Synod where people ask for forgiveness for things they said or, or flippant jokes or, or laughing at a flippant joke. Um, those are pictures of the gospel that I think we need to see happen. Now, if they aren't by God's grace willing to, to heed that call to come back into the, the fold, then we do need to see things reach their full logical conclusion. And as painful as that is, and as a last step in the process of discipline, um, ultimately that's what needs to happen, right? I mean, these, these churches that are just saying, well, we're not going to sign the covenant of office bearers anymore. And we're just going to file a gravamen um, from now until Jesus returns. Like that's just not uh, uh, going to work for the future of the CRC. It just, it, it, it won't, right? Uh, some, something will give. Um, so first of all, people have that desire, need to see this go well. So it feels a little bit out of our hands, but there are things we can do. We can encourage the general secretary as he's putting this committee together. And I don't know, maybe it's already together. I don't know the status of that. We can be praying for that process. We can be writing letters and sending words of encouragement especially those of us that, that have gotten to meet people from these churches. These aren't not random, you know, straw men out there somewhere. These are real people uh, that yeah. we've gotten to eat meals with and, and talk to. Um, so we, we can have an active role in that. I think there's another thing that we need to do. Um, I mentioned it a little bit already, but, you know, ch faithful churches, pastors, elders, deacons, and, and faithful lay people in these churches I need to find a balance uh, with two things, right? Because historically, those are the churches that have stayed away from these higher assemblies and broader governance and denominational positions and councils of, of delegates and things like that, right? Um, you know, I'm thinking of these churches where they are focused on discipleship, proclaiming the gospel, calling people to repentance and, and walking alongside them. They That needs to shift some, All right, We need orthodox people willing to serve on the council of delegates. We need uh, to be asking hard questions of our general secretary and promising to, to pray for him and support him. Uh, we need to be willing to put people forward for denominational positions. And 
if God calls one of us to serve, maybe possibly be be willing to do that. It's easy to say they should be doing this, they should be doing that, but I'm happy where I am. I'm at. Mm-hmm. Could we could we get some gifted people who who could have those the, the right skill set and the right calling to serve in some of those positions, right? Instead of just taking shots at those who do take those yeah. positions. Um, but I do think there's a flip side to that encouragement. And I think we got to be careful that the pendulum doesn't swing so far that our, you know, the camera only focuses on quote unquote, the denomination, right. Or these higher um, assemblies and denominational uh, positions. You know, we can't allow that to to consume too much time and attention and resources or more than it should. Right. I, I think in order for the CRC to be healthy, it needs, it needs healthy and thriving congregations, right? We need to continue to, to be ministers who proclaim the gospel, who walk alongside people, who, who catechize our youth. Jason, I also use Burkhoff's. I use the summary of Christian doctrine. That's what I do with my high schoolers, right? Um, we got to keep inoculating the next generation against the lies of the world, right? We need the the CRC to be a ship that can stand against the winds of culture and the waves that crash, crash upon this ship, right? We need to be committed to prayer. We need to lovingly call people to repentance. We need to feed the flock at the table. We need to baptize covenant children and adults whom the Lord has called who are entering the community of faith for the first time. We just, we need to keep bearing the marks of the true church and being the true church and whatever happens to CRC and a trademark, right? That is in God's providence and his sovereign plan, but the true church will always be the true church. So, so a, a word of encouragement to, to be more aware of denominational happenings, but don't forget your first love, right? And serving Christ and his bride. And that I think is, is how we continue on even if it's messy, right? It's not going to be neat and clean, but it it can still be beautiful in the midst of all the, the turbulent waters around us. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for Cinder Reflections from a fellow podcaster, Zach Dewey from Reformed Podmatics. Until then, don't forget this is Christ Church and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.